Hey there, everyone. Channel Partners, Craig Galbraith here. It's another edition of Coffee with Craig and Kevin. As always with me, Kevin Morris, our business development lead. Hello, Kevin. Hello, hello, Craig. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. I heard a little music in the background there. I think it probably ties in with uh, what you're going to be doing this evening. That's right. I am super pumped. Wanted to be on this podcast, but also because it's like what I want to refer to as U2 Day out here in the D.C. area, where basically once every six or seven years, I get to go see one of my favorite rock bands and my favorite four Irishmen, U2 perform tonight at FedEx Field, my man. You've been to a few of their shows, haven't you? You love the U2. I, I definitely do. I definitely do. They're they're one of those bands that, you know, everybody has where, you know, you might not like every single one of their songs, but they have 30 to 40 of them that when you put that on your, your you know, headphones, the heart starts beating a little faster, you get a little more pumped up and, and ready to really own the day, so to speak. From my perspective now that I'm getting older, it's great to see masters perform their craft in whatever it is. And, and you know, you two love them or hate them, you know, they are good at what they do live. There's no doubt about it. They they take their music to the next level. So I'm really excited to see that and watch Legends perform, hopefully making it for work in the morning on time. But, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I have too many Diet Cokes. You know how that goes. But, uh, of course. Uh, but Craig, you know, speaking of music, you know, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what some of your favorite bands or favorite shows you've been to are? Well, first of all, there's no alternative to live music. I love it. I love going to concerts. Don't get to as many as I enjoy. But I was a college student back in the early 90s in Seattle. So I saw most of those Seattle bands and the imitators of the Seattle bands and so forth. I've seen Pearl Jam four times. So those are easily my favorite uh, shows. Who else have I seen nirvana alice and chains back in the day uh nice. stone temple pilots uh who else offspring you know just go down the list unfortunately a lot of those bands uh, aren't around anymore for one reason or another that's true I, i've seen a lot of those bands uh myself you know that was kind of my high school soundtrack that you just listed there very nice and i'll excuse you for basically calling me an old man when you were referring to your high school days and i was in college oh. Speaking of which, I, I was very surprised to hear the bands you named because I really pictured you as a Michael Bolton fan. <laughs> he, he's His show is one that I missed over the years, begrudgingly. I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. All right. Well, well, no offense to anyone out there who does like Michael Bolton. He is one heck of a singer. He's won, uh, you know, a boatload of Grammys. So taking nothing away. He's got from a few him. more dollars than you do in the bank. Uh, yeah, uh, probably. I would say several more zeros than I do in the bank. <laughs> So, so no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, Craig, speaking of you two, and again, love them or hate them, you got to admit they've evolved over the years for sure since when they began in the late 70s, early 80s. And they've been involved in the tech business as well as kind of the faces for the Apple iPhone launch with their Vertigo song that we played earlier. And then also, you know, I would say they had a major role in changing rock concert stages for, you know, at least the past 20 years when they launched that Zoo TV back in the early 90s. 
90s. And as I understand it, speaking of evolution and stages, Craig, I hear that a popular feature within the Channel Partners Expo Hall is to be evolved as well in Austin in September. Yeah, Kevin, first of all, let it be known here first that I think you just said you were working on getting you two as a musical guest for Channel Partners Evolution. Did I hear that? That's right. I did <laughs> tag them on Twitter today, so I think I've got a shot. <laughs> all right, we'll see what happens. Uh, but absolutely, we are taking our Evolution Theater and turning it into the Evolution Hub, which is going to feature Evolution Studio. It's funny how that works, Evolution. Uh, <laughs> There's a theme there. There is a theme there. It's Evolution, baby. What we're going to have, basically, is a simulated news studio. We're going to bring people up onto the set, do some interviews with them. We're going to record all of this, and we're going to be broadcasting it live to a couple of uh, different places on the show floor so people can stand around and watch what's happening live or they can look at the monitors as well and and see what's going on so uh, we're pretty excited about that also part of the evolution hub kevin we're going to have a testimonial wall where uh, folks are going to be able to come in and uh, do some testimonials about their businesses so we're excited about that and the third element uh, we're going to be teaming with mojo marketing they're going to be taking some professional linkedin photos for folks And that's free. So there's no reason uh, people shouldn't come into the hub and take advantage of that. So a lot of really cool things happening with this Evolution Hub. Stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have even more details to come. Wow, Craig, that sounds great. I will have to say I'm a little worried about one thing, and that is putting Coffee with Craig and Kevin, which will be featured at the Evolution Studios for part of the show, putting us on video. That can't be good for anybody. (laughs) Well, I don't know, Kevin. You combine my charm with your good looks, and uh, we're a winning combination, if you ask me. (laughs) Craig, if if you flip-flop that response, I think you'd be on to something there. But, uh, (laughs) you know, either way, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be something different that everybody should come check out. And and I think, you know, we're going to be generating a lot of quality content that can be used, not just during the show, but after the show and helping these partners and vendors get their messages out. So I think it's going to be an outstanding experience for everyone involved. One, I know you're going to be reaching out to some folks about these opportunities. I know that they will embrace them and and look forward to hearing from you about them. It's going to be uh, some pretty cool stuff. For sure. Speaking of some pretty cool stuff, we have, once again, two phenomenal guests. I don't know how we keep booking these people. We must have an unbelievable booking agent. Okay. So without further ado, Kevin, let's welcome in our first guest. He is the CEO of CORE, Mr. Alex Brisburn. Alex, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Thanks, Craig. It's good to catch up with you, Kevin. Uh, look forward to having a chat with you about the world of IoT this afternoon. So let's start out for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with CORE. Tell us a little bit about the company. Quick potted history, we started in 2003, really at the uh, emergence of what was then known as the, the M2M or machine-to-machine market. It was really a point where the tripod came together uh, of IP end-to-end services over cellular networks. It was a time when uh, CDMA1X, uh, GSM, GPRS was coming together, uh, lower-cost devices coming to marketplace because of the plethora of, of digital handsets, particularly GSM handsets. And frankly, the emergence of web-based application services. In the year 2000, if you wanted to put a dot on a map you know, in an Esri product, it was a piece of rocket science to put it together. By the time you got to 2003, you wrote to an API from Google and you had your map dot. And we kind of uh, really evolved from there as being an end-to-end managed services provider. Fast forward to where we are in 2016 with the sixth largest 
provider of IoT-connected managed services globally, uh, around about 8 million devices under management from uh, Asia to Latin America to Europe here to North America. Uh, we hub um, multiplicities of technologies. We buy capacity from um, cellular and satellite providers, bring them in into our data centers, our network centers, hub them through our own platforms, and provide a unified service for our customers, which is both cost-efficient, end-to-end, uh, secure, and with very high degrees of reliability with uh, fail-safe, failover, and redundancy services. About 400 people in the company, a little under 200 million of revenues, and there's about 8 million devices under management. Wow, Alex. You know, it sounds like Core is a definite leader within the IoT space and, and understands a lot about IoT. Within the channel partner community, IoT is somewhat of a new solution to begin selling. Could you tell our audience a little bit about what types of IoT applications are most practical for them to begin selling right now. And if a partner's an IoT rookie, so to speak, where should they begin with their end user customers? Excellent questions and um, and thoughtful observations, honestly, Kevin. If you look at what's happened um, in in the emergence from from M2M, very definitely think of most of the providers that built unique vertical applications almost as being many highly focused um, service or systems integrators. Somebody went out and they they knew something about the fleet management uh, industry or taxi dispatch services or maybe even personal emergency response applications. They knew those because of some domain knowledge and they went off to build some kind of unique integrated solution to uh, to, to really prosecute that market. They went off and bought uh, um, uh, hardware, maybe radios uh, and, uh, and technology from the Arrow Electronics of this world. Uh, they stitched it all together, perhaps in their own shop. Some of them use commercial off-the-shelf technologies, which a number of channels partners already distribute. You know, companies like Novatel and uh, Sierra and Digi and Multitech, um, companies of that nature, and then they overlaid their applications. But generally, they, they built um, you know an individual service business. Fast forward, though, through perhaps to four or five years ago, where we really started to see the emergence of very um, reliable um, uh, broadband capabilities in the wireless networks. We started to see new avenues of opportunity growing for channels partners, some through extending their current managed services capabilities. Some, for example, have been in the traditional uh, uh, telecoms resales marketplaces. Uh, perhaps we're already providing um, T carrier services, uh, frame relay backup services uh, to their customer bases, and now are wanting to extend those to be able to provide, say, for broadband backup, or indeed in some cases even broadband primary services over cellular, uh, which are cost efficient, very easy, and very fast to deploy. That's an area that we start. We're starting to see a significant amount of growth uh, taking place. The opportunities around integrated broadband hotspots, um, whether they be on mobility vehicles, it could be on buses, it could be in uh, fixed locations uh, from uh, you know, uh, apartments to department stores to, and we all know about coffee shops, is an area that has traditionally been serviced by channels partners. They understand the local ecosystems, have the local partnerships, and they bring those particular services together. 
Where we help them is not only provide them with help if they need it in terms of sourcing best of breed equipment. We typically partner with the kind of names which I've already shared with you, and you could extend that into Cradle Point and other related uh, vendors. Uh, but we will provide an end-to-end, 24-7, uh, right down to site-level managed service capability for those broadband connections, which then provides a building block for channels partners to go out and market directly. But other marketplaces which are being addressed in exactly the same way are how do I extend, for example, um, residential security or maybe commercial security applications taking advantage of the ease of deployment of uh, broadband wireless services. These same kind of uh, broadband hotspots can be uh, extremely helpful to them in, uh, in, in driving growth in those marketplaces. Then you see um, vertical segments. One of the interesting emerging marketplaces at the moment, mainly because of regulatory, is in uh, truck and bus uh, operations with uh, federally regulated hours of service monitoring. We have applications as well as equipment to be able to help them extend their businesses if they're a regulated business, or maybe even they're, they're even um, selling their own fleet management products today into those adjacent marketplaces. So we're seeing a great deal of evolution and as channels partners become able to integrate more horizontal connected services in IoT, then it's a completely new revenue stream. Particularly so if you think of it in the sense that we're bringing a recurring revenue capability. You know, Alex, talking about IoT, Kevin's just sort of getting used to the concept of the internet. So this whole whole thing's a little complicated for him. <laughs> I just broke out my technology dictionary there, but uh, but no, very well explained, Alex. Uh, a lot of good stuff there, and you know, things the partners like to hear when you mentioned, of course, support. And not only from an end user perspective, but the partners need support when they're selling these new solutions. So that was very well explained. And of course, anyone likes to hear about new recurring revenue streams. So definitely impactful. I think it's very important, Kevin. I mean, I think if you think about not just the, the, the very obvious statement of recurring revenue uh, is nice to be able to maintain uh, you know, the flow of the business. But uh, support is important. You know, of the almost 400 people we have in our company, more than 70 are only in our customer support organization. There are as many there as there are in our customer-facing sales and marketing group, for, for example. And they operate on a 24-7 cycle uh, through uh, three support centers or three geographically dispersed centers, one in Europe, one in Asia, and one in, uh, in North America, using common tools so they can... Uh, provides to follow follow the sun support because again you know if i'm doing uh, say as we do in some uh, for, for some businesses actually in this particular case in conjunction with a channels partner we provide uh, broadband services for credit card processing in one of the major retail chains here in north america it's uh, in partnership with one of one of the uh, early selec uh, organizations that particular customer determined that they wanted to offload credit card management from their uh, wired corporate systems, you know, maybe they were spooked a little bit over what happened, you know, two or three years ago at Target with the the famous HVAC uh, intrusion that took place there, but created a unique um, and specific network solely for uh, credit card management in in the stores. Well, those stores are open for 20 hours a day. And so uh, the ability to ensure that we can provide that level of support 
is one of the value added which we bring to the to the channels groups. Alex, let's give uh, the channel partners in our audience uh, you know, maybe a couple of pieces of advice. What are the two or three most important things they should know when they're sitting down with a customer to talk IoT for the first time? Firstly, don't get spooked by it. The reality is that everybody's talking IoT, the Internet of Things, and very few people know actually what it is. You know, if you put 10 people in a room, you've probably got 15 different definitions. I'll explain it through a small anecdote. There is a very large German enterprise software company, who I will not name, who uh, held a two-day conference late last year to their top 100 customers globally, having brought consultants and others in, the subject explicitly being Internet of Things. And at the end of that conference, as one of the senior guys from that company said to me, he said, we thought we knew something about the Internet of Things at the beginning of the conference, but at the end of it, we realized none of us in the room did. It's still a little bit ethereal, to be frank. And in all honesty, I don't think we're uh, back to Kevin's relative lack, as you so nicely put it, Sir Craig. <laughs> um, but if you think about it, the Internet is all about peer-to-peer communications. And the vast majority of what we see currently in the Internet is very definitely generation one in the world of IoT, and that is hub and spoke. It's relatively thin client, quite dumb uh, devices around the edges of networks that are communicating to central points, then making decisions, You know whether it's a, a fleet dispatch application or whether it's a, a lawn sprinkler uh, that's uh, uh, been set to not run You know when, when it's raining. The Internet of Things really will come of age when we start to get smarts around the edges, um, you know, for uh, for true peer-to-peer. And that's when you've really got the true Internet of Things. So what what we're at at the moment is we're really looking at applications where customers will benefit from gaining access to real-time data from remote objects to make better business decisions. But in terms of of lessons, be mindful of the security of the applications which are being rolled out. Um, Look at uh, the complexities of of the lifecycle ownership cost, costs of devices, quality of devices, costs of services. Services will typically, um, over lifecycle, be one to two times the cost of any equipment that's being put out on a per endpoint uh, basis. So look at your suppliers carefully to understand if they understand your business models and can re- uh, really reflect the needs uh, of your particular applications. Well, Alex, your channel team will be at Channel Partners Evolution in Austin uh, in booth 1225. What will be your message and CORE's message two prospective partners that would like to drop by the booth and, and, you know, why should they and why do they have to almost drop by uh, to be a leader in the IoT space moving forward? We can help them make money better than any of the other carrier partners that they can go to. We can provide them with a a service capability which is going to mirror uh, everything that they need to be able to protect their brand in the marketplace and that we will provide them with a rich opportunity for conquest of net new customers. We'll be showing applications which include uh, broadband uh, managed services, 
uh, mobile resource management applications through our partnership with Apple, for example, which is a pretty interesting area actually for the, for the channels to be able to bring their own unique applications to marketplace um, on a, a very powerful commercial off-the-shelf device where we integrate uh, MRM software, security features, and other related capabilities, as well as logistics for them. And we have um, an application platform business, which will allow them to build potentially unique services, which are uh, particularly interesting to them under their own brand using our position logic platform, uh, an apps platform business, uh, which already has almost a third of a million endpoints, utilizing it uh, globally on a SaaS revenue, uh, recurring revenue model. Some really good stuff there, Alex. We really look forward to seeing the core team coming up at Channel Partners Evolution, September 25th through the 28th. Thank you so much for joining us today with uh, your insight into what Core is doing and IoT in general. Thank you, gentlemen. Looking forward to a great time in Austin. Thank you so much, Alex. Really appreciate the time. All right, Kevin. So I guess the lesson here is for partners, you too can be successful selling IoT solutions. See what I did there? I did see what you did there. That That's excellent. Outstanding punmanship there, Craig. <laughs> if a high cheese factor is the level of success, I think I accomplished that. Holy cow, then I'd have a master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, Core is definitely up to a lot of great things within the IoT space. But one thing they can't help me with is strengthening my core, which is what my doctors keep telling me I have to do all the time. You owe me for one jelly donut. Now get on your faces. Ready? Exercise! <laughs> and unfortunately, eating lots of bacon doesn't help me with that. Apparently, I actually have to go exercise or whatever these people, yogging and doing uh, plank and push-ups, uh, I guess, is the way to go for that. Well, now that you're getting familiar with the Internet of Things, I, I would think that uh, exercise can only be the next uh, most natural progression for you. For sure. And I think my devices could tell me how I'm doing there now. Your devices are crying out right now. Walk yes. with me. Walk with me. <laughs> Somewhere someone's reiterating the slogan. There's an app for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Craig. Well, please allow me to introduce our second guest on the podcast today. It is Cam Roberson, the director of marketing and the director of the reseller program at Beachhead Solutions. Cam, how are you doing today, sir? Doing just fine, thank you, and, and thanks so much for having me on. Well, thank you for joining uh, Craig and I in our shenanigans here. So I guess to kick things off, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a, a little bit about Beachhead Solutions and what you're doing in the marketplace and, and you know Beachhead's role within the channel itself. So Beachhead has a reseller program specifically targeted for MSPs. We call it our Simply Secure MSP platform. It allows an MSP to deliver encryption as a monthly managed service, plus the ability to control access to remote devices that might be somehow compromised. And we'd like to think our program is congruent with the other services that our partners are offering. And we've had, uh, particularly lately, a, a great deal of success with the program. You know, Cam, security is so big now, you can't really sell anything without security. And with you guys working with a lot of MSPs, uh, regulation and compliance clearly becoming uh, more important in that realm as well. These MSPs, I assume, can really run afoul of some of that if they're not careful. And historically, the regulations have been rather vague. These various agencies that are 
specifying what data security is have left it oftentimes to the devices or the interpretation of the end client or the MSP. And as of late, they're getting much more specific. And if it's not more specific in the letter of the law, then certainly the auditors are suggesting just exactly what it is that they mean by data security. And in our case, with our partners, they're saying encrypt this sensitive data as it lies on, on PCs and phones and tablets and, and USB storage. So it's becoming a little bit easier because it's becoming clearer as to what data security is defined by these various agencies. And now, Cam, do you have any, you know, we'll put you on the spot here, any real world examples of before things have been made a little simpler for these MSPs where they may have either themselves or gotten one of their end users in a, in a little trouble with uh, in terms of from a compliance standpoint? It's really interesting in that HIPAA, for instance, that's by far our biggest demand driver today, our partner's demand driver. HIPAA requires the covered entity, many of which are small businesses, small practices, clinics, and so forth. They are required to ensure that not only are they compliant with the security rule, but also their business associates. And in fact, their business associate, as defined, is an MSP. Most often, the HIPAA-covered entity doesn't fully recognize what it takes to become compliant, and as a result, rely on the MSP, who is in fact their business associate. So it's a, a very ironic sort of relationship in that the MSP is providing the guidance when in fact the HIPAA-covered entity is there to ensure that that MSP, that business associate, is compliant. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a very odd relationship. Cam, what's the status of IT security today? We see all the headlines, ransomware, everything else that's going on out there concerning data breaches. Is it really that scary for businesses or are those just the headlines? I think it's all coming to light. And I think instances like the WannaCry debacle of a few weeks ago are, are bringing light to data security and, and, and it's hitting home. And, and the more and more Frequently, it hits like businesses or colleagues or people that you know. It's it's raising visibility. It's it's no longer acceptable to think that this is something that's going to happen to somebody else and not me. And so, I think with the more and more attention drawn to it, and the more instances of businesses like businesses and colleagues that are experiencing these problems, that we're we're going to see more action taken to combat them. And in fact, we've seen quite a few of our partners not only implementing our solution, but others that, for instance, train employees on how to avoid ransomware events through phishing and spear phishing and so forth. So there's just been, you know, that the rising tide raises all ships and it's sort of doing the same for, for all security vendors. There's just more and more visibility to the problem and more and more tools and, and remediation being put in place. Cam, that is so true. And, you know, along with the additional tools that people are putting in place, I think a lot of it is going to the education of employees at these end user companies. I noticed on your website, you have a presentation that was given on the human side of IT security. And can you tell us a little bit from where you sit, it's the tools and, and what you provide are essential 
but you all, we also need to educate everybody that's using these tools, I would say, the, the end users themselves as to why they, everything needs to be followed, why you need to be compliant. Now, do you do anything like that at, at Beachhead? Yeah, as, as, a, as a partner told me the other day, you know, the biggest technical problem they have with breach and avoidance of breach sits in seat. And so it's the, it's the employee. And IBM tells us that 95% of all breach are contributed to or wholly a result of an employee error. And so to the extent possible, tools need to be put in place to prevent that from happening. And as well, training is, is just key uh, importance to, to making sure that employees understand their role in the security equation and understand how to avoid a, a scam, a spoof, or whatever the case may be. And secondly, under circumstances where they can't do that, to train those employees, to be sure they're aware of their role in the security profile and that they're trained and and know of the scams and spoofs and will avoid them. Cam, that is outstanding advice. And and I would say, you know, speaking of tools, since Craig's usually our resident tool on this podcast, <laughs> um, I, I will play the role this time. And I have one more very important question to me, and that is, are you a U2 fan? You know, I like U2. I'm not passionate about U2. I don't know who I've offended or who I've made happy, but I'm sort of an ambivalent U2 guy. Uh, understood, understood. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say I'm offended. I'm a little hurt, though, Cam, as I'm going to see U2 tonight, which is why I asked. So I'm, I'm very excited to go see them. I am a fan, which which puts me in. I think now everybody knows that I'm probably pushing 40 and I am their prime market. So that makes me a total, I think. <laughs> Well, I wish you a, a wonderful concert. I'm sure it'll be terrific. And uh, <laughs> so, please take no offense by my uh, band affiliations. Cer- certainly don't. Music is definitely a user by user taste, right? Or listener by listener. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you thank you, Cam, so much for joining us and, and offering up uh, your expertise here in the security marketplace within the channel. So. We really appreciate you taking the time, and we hope to see you at, at a Channel Partners event sometime soon. Yes, I, I as well, and, and I want to thank you very much for having me on, and uh, I, too, look forward to uh, our next chat, and have a terrific time tonight at the concert. All right. Thanks again. Well, Craig, that wraps it up for another edition of Coffee with Craig and Kevin, pretty much. I have to tell you, a lot of phenomenal stuff from our guests today. But when it comes to a co-host, one could say that I still haven't found what I'm looking for. (laughs) Well, with or without you, Kevin, I'm moving forward. I'm going to be heading to where the streets have no name to go ahead and and watch these legends uh, perform uh, the Joshua Tree album live. I really can't wait. Well, now that we've run through about a third of the album, you should probably do that. Maybe I should bring us to our exit, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, I think you just did. Well, that's it for this week's show. Er, God, I hate trying to end these things. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Be sure to check out Coffee with Craig and Kevin on iTunes. You can listen to the whole archive of our podcast. Just search Channel Partners Online on iTunes. And, uh, you know, Kevin, I'm pretty sure they're going to find us there. No doubt about it, Craig. Thanks, everyone, for listening and for putting up with our silly YouTube jokes. Have a good one. Have a good one.